It is yet another pleasant Saturday. You're on to your most educating, informing, and entertaining weekend delight. NASCO Moments Radio Show. This program is powered by your quality foods and household products provider, NASCO Group, Nigeria. Now, do you know where your children are at this moment? Obesity in children has remained a major health challenge globally. Although Nigeria has maintained a stable prevalence rate through the years, there have been growing concerns on the need to put in place visible and workable safeguards to ensure that the figures do not get to uncontrollable levels. It is against this backdrop that last week we began a conversation on safeguards and solutions to stemming the rising tide of obesity in children. In the course of the discussion, we looked at what obesity is all about and the seriousness of the challenge, why more and more children are getting obese, the health consequences of obesity in children, and what should be done if a child is found to be obese, among many other relevant questions. Continuing from there, NASCAR Moments Radio Show this morning brings to you the second and concluding part of our conversation. The pertinent questions that remain to be answered are, what can people do to break some of the unhealthy habits that lead to obesity? What is the connection between lifestyle and obesity? Can obesity be treated? What are the safeguards and solutions to obesity in children? Our discussant, Dr. Fabon Jemchan Yildam, Director General, Plateau State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency, will answer these and many other questions as we continue our conversation on safeguards and solutions to stemming the rising tide of obesity in children. My name is Hudun Gyal. Stay tuned. Ever since I discovered the secret of Brightex white detergent, my clothes come fresh, bright and clean always. It's mild on clothes and good for my washing machine. Thank you, Brightex. Brightex detergent cleans deep stains and dirt from your clothes, keeping it fresh and bright so your clothes don't fade. It lasts longer. Brightex white detergent, a quality product from NASCO. Take the Brightex advantage today and keep your clothes fresh, bright and clean. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Mr. Fabon, welcome again to the NASCAR Moments Radio Show. Thank you. Good morning. Okay. Now, um, this is just the concluding part of the discussion that we started last week, but can you give, uh, put the listener up to speed on what we discussed last time? Okay, thank you. Last time we attempted to define what obesity is, and we looked at um, basically what will cause obesity and how is it that is affected children in Nigeria and then we also looked at some of the solutions to the problem of childhood obesity and we defined obesity as the as excessive accumulation of body fats from excess intake of calories to that extent that it affects the health of our children and we said we, we basically use what we call the basic um, body mass index determine what obesity is and that we just use the weight of the patient or our people in kilograms divided by the height in meter square and we said if it is between 18.5 to 24.5 it's normal if it is between 25 to 29.5 a person is said to be overweight anything greater than 30 the person is said to be obese and we went further to classify obesity as either mild moderate severe or morbid obesity and we said there is a genetic component to obesity but it does not have the weight 
as to how environmental factors serve as a catalyst to developing obesity. And we said some of these factors are modifiable. And we said, we also discussed, we said excessive intake of um, saturated fats. We also said taking um, intake of food that has been classified as junk, alcoholic beverages, sweeteners, excessive fatty food like meats, uh, some of those things. And then we also said super tobacco smoking is also part of what that has been implicated in causing obesity. And then we also mentioned some medical diseases like um, depression and some metabolic disorders too could um, predispose even a child to developing obesity. Obesity can lead to hypertension in children, diabetes in children, and musculoskeletal problems in children ranging from joint pains to back pains. It could also affect their ability to cope with studies in school. We have the emotional aspect and the psychological aspect that has also not helped the children in school. And we said we could encourage children to eat good foods. Ch parents could take the responsibility to providing more vegetables and fruits in children's diet, reduction of the fat, fatty acids and the like. So okay. those are that's just a recap of what we discussed last week. Is obesity a hereditary health challenge? Yes, the answer is the affirmative because we cannot throw away the genetic component of that disease. And the genetic component is there, but in most of the instances it does not progress. But in other cases it does progress. But when you have these environmental factors I mentioned last week and as gave as a recap, they have a capacity to trigger people to coming down with um, obesity. Okay. Um, can you share with the listener the effective treatment options available for obesity? Well, we have so many treatments that are um, available for obesity. We have medical treatment and we have the surgical treatment. Medical treatment, though not commonly done, there are medicines that we give to people that inhibits the satiety centers. And then we have what we call the MRC4 um, gene in the human body that predisposes people to developing um, this obesity. They are actually inherited. So some of these medicines, when you swallow, they go to deactivate the receptors and then reverse. But we do not commonly practice that. Also, there's what we call gastric bypass and some bypass surgeries that have been done so that you can narrow the sac and then to the extent that people don't consume much. The moment they start getting below the, below the above the level of the sac, it becomes a problem for person for a person. But that also is not routinely done here. But what we do and we commonly practice is lifestyle modification. And lifestyle modification is educating our patients and empowering them to take charge of their health by bringing about a, a massive reduction in some of these environmental factors that we had mentioned that brings about a trigger towards obesity and that has to do with first the dietary pattern of the person and if he drinks alcohol or smokes cigarettes or he's into inactivity we encourage people to step up their game and become active by engaging in some sports, though not physical sometimes, and then we can also modify the diets of a person. And then when the person becomes strict on that and does some physical activity, it has proven to be very effective in the management of obesity. But I'm wondering, um, with children who are uh, given to throwing tantrums, when probably you change their diets, they're used to um, eating sweet things, things that they like, and how can you suddenly change their diets? 
it all boils down to the approach. You know, a, a child too has a right, and being in his father's house, he believes these are rights that shouldn't be denied. But as a father, you have a responsibility of first educating the child. You could bring about some books and ask them to read, share pamphlets on obesity and how it does affect um, the health of people. If you have experiences in your family or in your environment, you can share with them. These are things that I can convince children easily. And then you don't just wake up from sleep and say, from today, you don't eat this, you don't eat this without explaining to a child what is this. As a child, I won't also accept that. So it's our, it's our approach to our children, first by educating them, by telling them the details, giving them examples. But for toddlers, you know, it's usually very difficult. But that also depends on you do a gradual withdrawal. You don't just change overnight and substitute a child's food it throws him into undernutrition as well. So you do some balancing by doing some substitution and then giving other incentives to children as well. Okay, apple, for instance, cannot predispose a child to developing obesity. Yes, it is sweet, isn't it? They give watermelon, it's also sweet. So you can do some substitutes with good fruits that taste well in place of sweets and cakes and, and the likes. So there's, there's a way you can balance it and then you change the pattern of feeding of your child. All right. Thank you for joining us on the Nasco Moments radio show. We'll be back after this. Ah ah, Mama Shakara. Eh? This your shabby city shine. <laughs> and how don't fit? How manage? Ah, my sister. Now, Bright Text white detergent. Oh. Bright Text detergent, not the fake cloth at all at all. And if they wash clothes clean well, well, it gets power to come out all the nyama nyama stain and dirty no matter how it be. You not go chop and soup? No, you know the chop and do. And it's good for washing machine too. Eh? Mama Shakara, me too now bright text detergent I go to use to wash all my clothes now so that I go to shine, shine and scent, scent and make Shakara like you so. <laughs> Brightex White Detergent, a quality product from NASCO. For your brightest wash, Brightex. Brightex, for the brightest wash. Welcome back. This is the NASCO Moments radio show. We're looking at safeguards and solutions to stemming the rising tide of obesity in children. Part 2. Our guest is Dr. Fabon Jemchang-Yildam, Director General, Toronto State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency. Now, in terms of cost, Doctor, how affordable is the treatment for obesity in children? It's very expensive, which is why I mentioned earlier, I said we do not routinely practice that. You can prescribe a medicine, you go around the entire just you don't find. And for those who have taken medicines to either depress their appetite or the likes, those medicines are very expensive. How else again do we begin to predispose a child to a gastric bypass? It's something that we wouldn't want to do, but we we can do a behavioral modification and lifestyle change in a child, which on one hand is also a little bit expensive. But if we cannot buy those things that we know, there are locally, um, there are foods that are cultivated locally that are also cheap which I, earlier I mentioned about substitution. Now we have to take the, the nutrition of our children very serious. Um, if you look at the patterns of life expectancy, you find that we have children who are dying more than adults these days. And this is no um, departure from the subject that we have discussed from, from inception. Uh, some of some obesity leads to a plethora of diseases we cannot exhaust in this discussion. So we must now bring in the lifestyle changes and that lifestyle change is a little expensive but we can also domesticate it by using other foods that are cultivated locally and they are not expensive in place of um, vegetables that are expensive instead of buying those high-fallotin vegetables you can buy the locally um, 
cultivated once here and it will help. My mind keeps going back to children I see who push the vegetables from their meal. You, you, you put vegetables, they tell you, I don't want salad. They remove the peas, they remove the vegetables they see uh, in, in their foods. I, I just wonder how parents can win when they're struggling to get their children to eat vegetables. I've always said that where, where there's a will, there's always a way. In as much as managing children is a little bit more difficult than managing adults. But I tell you, we have also seen adults which are much more difficult to manage as compared to children. You do not, if, if we are winning a child, you don't just cut him. You have to do a gradual reintroduction of something that helps balance his appetite, isn't it? Same with children. If you want to take away something from a child, you don't just take it abruptly. You gradually introduce, gradually introduce, and then it becomes a habit. Right. And um, this is also a pointer to those who are still raising children that we would we are empowered by this public enlightenment to begin to um, regulate the test spots of our own children. But I tell you something, a child's test spot is even developing his injury. So our mothers have a responsibility of eating healthy food so that the children are born with these test spots that naturally goes towards healthy food. That's interesting. Yes, medicine <laughs> have proven that times without number. Okay. The more a mother dwells on purely saturated food, high sweeteners, high sugars, and whatever, the child inherits the test spots from the mother. So we, mothers, our mothers also have a great responsibility to help us change the narrative. All right. Is there a national policy on obesity in Nigeria and how desirable is this? Yes, there's a national policy and that policy is targeted mostly towards food and nutrition, particularly for children and under fives and also our mothers. But I doubt much if that policy has been implemented to that extent that we see a rapid change in the life of our people. The older policy that the Federal Ministry of Health has taken more seriously is the policy on chronic non-communicable diseases, but more on the adult medicine as compared to pediatric medicine. But if you have pediatricians today, they will tell you they are worried by the, by the types of what they see in clinic every day. Every day. I mentioned last week, I said, from between 2002 to 2010, we had the rate of obesity in children increasing by 20%. And generally, by 2030, it's expected that we have 200, more than 250 million to 300 million people living with diabetes. And children also have that type 2 diabetes mellitus, which is the subject of our discussion. So you wonder what that will look like subsequently. So it is very imperative for us as a people to look at this closely. Okay, are you satisfied with the level of awareness on the challenge of obesity among the citizenry? Well, to a large extent, the bodies that are responsible are doing something. Well, personally, I'm not satisfied because this is this. If, if you look at the rising trend of obesity, it goes to show that there's something that we are not doing correctly. If we identify a problem and we we go on massive orientation of our people by informing them and educating them, we are supposed to experience a downward trend in it. But the data and the numbers are not telling us that we are winning anytime soon. That would qualify me to say I'm not satisfied with the massive orientation or campaign or the policies that have been in place to check childhood obesity. So certainly more needs to be done. Certainly. We talked a little about stigmatization in the first part of the program and it is an issue persons with obesity go through. How can they deal with the situation? It's still through massive public enlightenment. We need to talk to the populace that any person can get predisposed to obesity. As someone had asked me before, he said, but these people are not affluent. Why is the child 
this way. And I said, okay, this is also a chance that we have a genetic component to it manifesting besides the environmental factors that we have. So it's, it all boils down to the public, but we have to first go to the level of the families. And we have to educate our children and we have to teach them approaches, a way to approach people from without, and then the way they converse and the way they interact with people as well. We could use the gatekeepers, we could use um, our religious houses, we could also use our town hall meetings, the community meetings. The clinics are doing enough to speak to people, not to stigmatize those with obesity. So those are some of the practices we need to bring on board to check the stigmatization of children with obesity. All right. Listener, this is the Nasco Moments radio show. Thank you for staying tuned. The program will continue right after this. Now fortified with essential vitamins and minerals. NASCO Conflicts, nourishing goodness anytime. You are on to your favorite NASCO Moments radio show. Our guest today is Dr. Fabong Demchang Yildam, Director General, Plateau State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency. He has been sharing very valuable thoughts on safeguards and solutions to stemming the rising tide of obesity in children. Now, uh, as the head of the Plateau State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency, can you shed some light briefly on the operations of your agency and how it benefits the public? Thank you. The Plateau State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency came into being when the 8th Assembly passed that bill into law May the 28, 2019. And with the assent of His Excellency, the Executive Governor of Plateau State, on June the 3rd, 2019, it became an agency. And we are saddled with the responsibility of supervising, implementing, monitoring health insurance. And basically what we do is we are working towards achieving universal health coverage. To that extent, we are talking promotive, we are talking preventive, we are talking um, curative and even palliative medicine at little or no cost to families. So the social health insurance scheme is meant to protect individuals, families, communities from catastrophic out-of-pocket expenditure because health itself is not a cheap venture. And we found out that our health-seeking behavior is downward because each time a person gets to listen to someone's experience coming from the hospital, he would prefer to stay back home and die. I mentioned some, I said as prior to my appointment as Director General of the Contributory Healthcare Management Agency, I was head of the Critical Emergencies Department. And I've seen people die because they can't afford 5,000. The hallmark of that experience was when the director had to take his mother home because he couldn't afford 10,000 as deposit for, for admission. So this scheme basically was created to protect families from this harsh financial hardship and constraint and to as well mitigate the challenges that people have with accessing quality here, care. But this is also meant to be an equity care too, not just access to quality care. We have to make it equitable to all people. So in the wisdom of His Excellency, the Executive Governor of Plateau State, 
this agency was created. And to that extent, we are heading towards achieving what we call the universal health coverage. Okay, what does it take to be part of the scheme? Well, the law on the plateau is a little bit different from what we have in the National Health Insurance Scheme. We made it mandatory for every resident on the plateau. So basically, we have the formal sector, we have the informal sector, and then we have the vulnerable. The vulnerable are classified as those greater than 60 years of age, women of childbearing age, the under fives, the physically um, handicapped, or those who are handicapped by any reason, not just physically handicapped, or those with special needs. Let me classify those are citizens with special needs, and then those who are internally displaced. And then we have a component of that um, health insurance scheme called the Basic Healthcare Provision Fund, which um, 1% of the consolidated revenue um, um, of the federal government have been given to states. And then states are also expected to pay a certain amount as part of their contribution to the equity fund that takes care of the vulnerable. So that group of people, they, the healthcare to them is totally free. They do not invest anything into it. But the mainstream of the social health insurance scheme, which is the formal and the informal sector, has to do with pooling of resources. There's a certain percentage that people pay, but government pay more. Our law says that we will give 1.5% of our basic salary annually, while the state government gives 3% of that. And then the state government is also expected to give to the agency 2% of the consolidated revenue um, fund of the state as their own contribution. So the agency does what? We pool these resources in one place, we identify the need, and then we do through strategic purchasing, getting healthcare services for all residents on the plateau. So what makes you, how eligible you are to participate in the scheme is a resident on the plateau. Okay, Yes. we've been talking about children. So what is the place of children in the operations of the Plateau State Contributory Healthcare Management Agency? Yes, on the one hand, on the one hand of the scheme, the scheme caters for a husband and a wife and four biological children. But that does not mean if you have children who are not even related to you, they are not covered under the scheme. Now, if we have by our poverty index measurement and assessment, if we find a child that is classified to be poor, he is covered free of charge under the basic healthcare provision fund. But even as that, that, we said we have the vulnerable groups. And I mentioned the classes of people in the vulnerable groups. And I said those who are internally displaced, children with special needs, children who are under fives, age zero to five, they should benefit from the social health insurance scheme free of charge. So children have been adequately captured in the state social health insurance scheme. And this also will give us an avenue for reaching the unrich. This is not as akin to building a specialist hospital. We are domesticated in all the primary health care centers in the federal wards in the state, but domesticated in all the local government. And we have zonal offices and we have headquarters. So the attempt to achieving universal health coverage is very possible with the creation of this agency. Certainly, we wish you the very best and we're looking forward to seeing uh, this agency um, actually starting um, its duties and um, its obligations to the public. What are your final words on this uh, enlightening discussion today? Well, I mentioned times without number. I said health is wealth. The, the more educated a person is concerning a condition, the more likelihood that is empowered to take care of his health. Obesity, as we discussed, childhood obesity is a reality and the consequences are grievous. So for our listeners, we would have to make take heed 
and then also visit healthcare facilities as we mentioned even if it's just going to get health education i think it serves to help us and the citizens of plateau state will also understand that there is there's something that has come on board which is the creation of the state social health insurance scheme by the rescue administration and that has the capacity to reduce into the barest minimum disease burdens and then catastrophic out-of-pocket expenditure our people should take advantage of this good initiative towards building a healthy state all right thank you very much dr fabong and he's been on the Nasco Moment Show this morning, helping the listener to understand some of the safeguards and solutions to stemming the rising tide of obesity in children. It's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you, Hulu. Listener, we have to end the episode of Nasco Moments Radio Show here. Visit www.facebook.com slash Nasco Group or follow the program on Twitter. The handle is at Nasco Group. You can freely send feedback on any aspect of the Nasco Moments Radio Show to the email info at nasco.net or by text through the dedicated care line 0805-774-7777. The Nasco Moments trivia question for this week is, in what year did the first successful demonstration of a polio vaccine take place? What is the name of the person that demonstrated the process? Send the correct answer via text to 0805-774-7777 and include your full name and exact location. Our question last week was, what United Nations agency is responsible for providing humanitarian and developmental aid to children around the world? And who is the agency's current executive director? The answer is United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF. And the executive director is Henrietta H4. Our winners are Dablang Titus from Mungu and Sharif Akamu from Basa. Congratulations. We'll call you and tell you how to claim your NASCO gift baskets. The NASCO Moments radio show has been brought to you by NASCO Group. It was created by Unimark Limited, marketing communications consultants, executive producers, NASCO Marketing Department, producer Harun Audu, research and content development, George Palm and Harun Audu. Production coordinators Solomon Aldo, Malau Silvanus, and Alex Ruben. I am Hudungian. Thank you for listening.